Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird here with you, and as always, joined by my co-host, Ron Fez. Buddy, what is up, sir? Man, I just love that theme song, that opening song. It's <laughs> a good one, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, every time... I don't listen to... First of all, I don't listen to the, the podcast because I can't listen to three hours of myself. Um, <laughs> Me neither. But I do like, sometimes listen to the opening segment, or and, and I just... I love that that song, and I know we we do you always outro with it as well, or do we? Yeah, do we like all, like ninety nine percent of the time. I, I have every once in a while I throw something different. I have but. listened to full podcasts, and I have gone through the whole end <laughs> song with. I just love that song. I great great pick. Well, I I um I still make like a penny a month or something off of that. <laughs> so it's good. Oh, so uh, so it's it's more profitable in poker for you then? Basically, yes. <laughs> If you want to jump right in the results, yes, it is. <laughs> now you just uh, didn't you just uh, final table the Bovada 30k, which is a pretty big tournament to final table. <sighs> didn't you do that? Yet? Oh. I know. I'm sorry. I went there. <laughs> I've actually final table it twice in the last week. Did uh, you? Uh, wow! I only knew about the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, fifth both times. Oh okay. my God! Kill yourself. I know it's getting a little bit painful. I mean. I can't really complain too much because, I mean, I've talked about this on my Twitch stream and with some other people and stuff, but I was I was basically a Sunday away from being down $6,000, uh-huh. and uh, and then I had a set, like a Sunday saver where I final tabled the 30K and the 12K, I think it was, um, and I think I finished fifth in both, but it was like enough to like kind of save the day and get me a little bit out of that hole, yeah. and then... Um, had a couple of more banks and then another 30k final table. So we're like, you know, we're scratching at the surface of not being down anything. Yeah. Um, but we've just had so many close calls, you know, and, and in tournaments that I've always wanted to win, yeah. like the 30k. Yeah. Um, I finished second in that before, but I've always wanted to win it. Um, I've always wanted to win the 15k, which I final tabled the other night too, and we finished sixth in that. So what is, uh, we're scratching. What is fifth in the 30k paying these days? Uh, last night it was actually kind of a bigger one. Last night it was eighteen hundred. Oh, okay. Uh, the time before that it was like sixteen hundred. So like a little bit of a yeah. big field for whatever for whatever and reason. And first is what like seven k? Yeah, it was it was almost exactly seven k last night. Oh uh, man, four spot like just sucks to go four spots away from from that two times. Yeah, and we came in as the chip leader too, oh. so that was a little frustrating. Like just things weren't working, and you know one of those tournaments where like. Stuff everything you did didn't work, and all the short stacks kept doubling, and yeah. just kind of like a frustrating session. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, poor me. You know, yeah, one eight hundred. Like I can't really complain too much. So, so how has it been being back full? I mean, I know our last podcast was uh, a little bit after the World Series ended, but now you've been back home for a while. How's the grind going? Just like how's it feel? Are you back in? Are you back to normal, or do you uh, you still have uh, visions of the World Series in your head? No, yeah, I kind of, I've kind of gotten back into the groove of things. Um, it's helped a little bit. Like on a personal note, my son went off to college two weeks ago. Yeah, congratulations, um, Andrew. 
yeah, I'm very excited for him and uh, and excited for us too because I guess we we've done our job. <laughs> like we raised a child and got him off. You into the are world. an empty nester. Wow, I know it's crazy, That's right? So odd. Yeah, but it's great from a poker player. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're, you know? we're relatively we're pretty. I mean, we're pretty much the same age, and my kids are six yeah. and eight. Like that, my I'm so far out from where you are. Still, so. <laughs> it is weird to think that it all happened, you know, relatively young. Yeah, like, yeah. so fast, yeah. you know. Yeah, but got a, lot, um, got a lot ahead of you. But yeah, it's just it's just different now because all of a sudden, like all we have is like ourselves. Yeah. So it's like I just. I don't have to plan around anything or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, if I feel like playing poker, yeah, I just play. Right. And my wife goes and eats with her friends or whatever. You know, there's no, there's no Andrew has a school meeting. Right. Or Andrew has, uh, so are you, you have to get up with Andrew for school or just none of that happens. So it makes it easier from a grind standpoint. Right. Um, but it's fucking weird from a, like a human parent standpoint. Yeah, well, you did, you did a, he's a fine young man. You did a great job with him. Um, and I saw your post about uh, not watching Impractical Jokers is not the same. Uh, yeah, around. yeah, I can I can imagine that. Um, do you, did you do you know though that this is their hundredth anniversary week and they're doing uh, every night this new episode and they're doing a big punishment special later? Yes, and I've been taping them and um, it's Labor Day weekend, which I didn't even know, um, but so Andrew has Monday off school and he's he's he went to school at UNC Charlotte, so it's only like. Two and a half hours away. Oh, so, he, so he's coming home for the long weekend. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so he'll be here to watch uh, the the episodes that we've taped, and I believe that episode is like, is it this coming weekend or is it the weekend? It's after? happening right now. It's it's. Uh, I mean, the, oh, it's this is the week of the um, every night. There's a new episode, and oh, okay, the punishment episode is I think Thursday special. Okay, yeah, episode. so yeah, so we'll, so we'll, so uh, yeah, I'll get I'll get the chance to watch that all of that with him uh, in a few days. Awesome, awesome. awesome. Yeah, should be fun. Good. And we'll catch up on the new Walking Dead, too, because I saved that for him coming home as well. Yep. But after this, he's on his own. I'm watching the rest of the episodes. <laughs> I don't miss him that much. <laughs> um, so how about you, poker-wise? Have you been playing online at all? Uh, I've been not playing as much since the World Series, um, uh, but I've uh, been put a, put a couple sessions in recently because I am playing next week uh, at the Borgata. There's... Um, their September series. I don't. I don't know. I think it's the Poker Open. I don't know what they call it. It's not the Fall um, Poker Open. Um, I think it's just like a Poker Open. I don't know what. <laughs> just the they'll poker on the Poker Open, probably. Yeah, yeah. I forget what they call it. Um, this this one specifically, but um, it's the Borgata, Borgata Poker Open. That's exactly it. Uh, and it is there. There's this is a great great. Uh, series of tournaments this time around. There is a two million guaranteed five hundred and sixty dollar entry um that kicks off the, the, the series that starts on Tuesday. Um and they have four four flights for uh day one A through day one D over two days. So they have a ten AM or eleven AM and a five PM I think or seven PM I'm not sure what it is on both of those first two days. Um and I'm gonna go play both of those. Uh well, hopefully I'm only gonna play one flight instead of four bullets, but um I'm gonna go play that next week and that runs through the whole week. Um so I'm gonna be at the Borgata. I know a couple of T P ears are already gonna be there. I know Pierre's gonna be there, a couple other folks. Um so if anyone's gonna be at that, 
please hit me up. Um, I always love meeting TP members. Um, so yeah. I've been throwing a couple sessions in here and there. I final tabled the uh, the merge high roller the other night. Uh, finished fourth or fifth, um, just like you. Um, pain. Yeah, pain. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, keeping my bankroll even there. For, but at least, at least you're getting your like you're keeping your chops up for the live stuff. That, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's it. Um, you know, I. I I can't play on Bovada because I'm in New York. Um, That's right. Yeah. And uh, you know I have all my money on merge, and I'm getting it off. It's slow. I'm getting it. I'm getting money out, but I you know I I got to move money over to ACR, and it's a pain in the ass. And so I put most of my time on merge. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. well. That's it. I, I wish I was wish I was heading to the Borgata. That it, I used to love going up for the, the Borgata series and, like, the WSOP Circuit event at Harrah's. But now that I get two of them yeah. here in North Carolina, it's kind of, like, it's kind of pointless. You know? Yeah. Why, why, why travel, you know, eight hours yeah. north when I can just go, you know, three yeah. hours to the Although west? Although the Borgata like crushes the WSOP Circuit. Yeah, it really does. Their event, yeah, their events are way better. I mean, the structures are better. I mean, this is going to be, you know, two, two million. It's going to crush the, the guarantee probably. Um, yeah. So it's a huge tournament, and it's super well run. Um, it's a much nicer place than where the WSOPs are held. So, isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yep. Obviously, yep. Hopefully, uh, um, hopefully, we'll have something fun to report back on the next one. Yeah, let's hope so. Yep. Uh, speaking of live poker, uh, we are going to bring in Chris Moon today. Yes, who is uh, fresh off a uh, deep run in a final table in the Heartland Poker Tour. Um, in Michigan, yep. So uh, that's gonna be really cool. Uh, we've kind of feel like we've been on a little bit of a live poker kick lately, which is yeah, kind of fun actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, coming off the World Series and stuff, and before we know it, it'll be main event, final table time. Actually, probably this coming Tuesday, tomorrow, tonight. <laughs> was it <laughs> tonight? Start? What day is it? No, I know the circuit. Um, the circuit stuff was just ran. Um, so yeah, I think it might have started tonight. Wow. God, I gotta. I have to get my days straight. Yeah, it is, like to it is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Yeah, so maybe it was on. It's oh, good. Good. I'll have something to watch after I'm done with this. It's Tuesday, <laughs> it's time for you to finish fifth in the uh, Bovada 30K. Derek. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Too late to late reg that one. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Cool, cool. So let's, let's uh, get yeah, to Chris let's, then. Let's wrap up this intro and get Chris Moon in here. Yep. Uh, so we'll be right back with Chris Moon on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. If you are looking for the best MTG training site on the planet, look no further than TournamentPokerEdge.com. Tournament Poker Edge focuses exclusively on multi-table tournaments and features some of the best live and online pros. No waiting through cash game videos looking for the occasional tournament video. Tournament Poker Edge also offers strategy articles, forums, a member chat room, and much more. So visit TournamentPokerEdge.com and start taking your game to the next level now.
Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in today's pro. It's been way too long since we've had him on the show, so it's good to have him back. Chris Boone, how are you, sir? Way too long. That's the way I would describe it, too. Yes. Yes. Way, way, way too long. We get to hang out a little bit in Vegas this summer. Tiny uh, bit, Which was yeah. fun. Yeah, we, did, we played, played a little shuffleboard, I think, or at least drank a few beers at Definitely the bar where the shuffleboard beers. happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's good to get you on the show after, uh, like I said, too long. So how have you been, sir? I've been doing pretty well, actually. Um, poker has been going fantastic, you know, having like one of my better summers ever and, um, you know, just getting done with like the live grind of Vegas, came home and like had a good result. And then I've been kind of like spending the last bit of summer, you know, eking out like all the last couple ounces of fun I can get outdoors while also trying <laughs> to play as much poker as I can. And that's pretty much just been my life lately. Before yeah. before we get into your uh, your your uh, HPT um, final table, how much of the World Series did you play? Were you there the whole summer, or did you do a shorter stint? I was actually there all summer. Um, I focused a lot less on uh, tournaments this summer. Mm-hmm. I still played quite a few of them, but uh, you know, previous summers I would go and pretty much play like eighty twenty um, uh, MTTs versus cash. And this year it was like quite the opposite. Actually, it was like eighty twenty cash versus oh, MTTs. Wow. Yeah. Um, played quite a bit of PLO cash and then like five, ten, ten, twenty, no limit cash uh, as well, and then some some tournaments, including the main event and some satellites. Nice. It was funny because I just listened to Mark Eliotto on another uh, podcast, Daryl Jace's podcast. I was listening to that he was... earlier today too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm sure you heard him say that if he really just wanted to make money, he would go to the World Series and just play cash all summer. Yeah. That... Yeah, and not even play tournaments. That's kind of that kind of started to hit me this <laughs> this year. <laughs> you know, in previous summers, I don't think I really appreciated like how much variance you can really like withstand or experience. Yeah. This is the best way to put it. When you go and like just put together a portfolio of I'm only going to play 1500s and like 3Ks and like the main event and some satellites and like not play cash. Like I, my first year ever playing pro, I went out there like right after I graduated and just like brought like a 50k bankroll and was like, oh, I'm going to do just fine. Hundos <laughs> <Right, laughs> right. and 2500s and like, you know, 1600 Venetians and all that stuff. And like, you know, there's no way this could go wrong. Um, but yeah, this year I, I kind of come in with the mindset that, you know, this is all I do for a living now. And that's, you know, all I intend to do for a living for a little while. So, you know, if I'm going to maximize my summer out there with like, the lowest variance possible, so to speak, within poker, you know, just went and played, just focused a lot more on cash, but also still gave myself like a few opportunities to like, you know, bank a couple hundred thousand here and there if I could as well. But you got to go for the yeah. glory. You got to go for the glory. <laughs> you, you get that from the MTTs, not from the cash games. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem is like I didn't get into this game when I was a teenager because I wanted to play like five, ten, no limit cash every day. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> but at the same time, it's like I still need to make money. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's perfectly perfectly reasonable. So, so what tournaments did you play at the uh, WSOP? Anything I interesting? Played, I played the fifteen hundred shootout. Uh, I played a couple fifteen hundreds. I played that Colossus landmine cluster <laughs> thing. Um, I think I lasted like I actually lasted a couple hours in the Colossus, but I know that like monster stack one, I late regged and showed up and lasted like forty five minutes and left. So that's <laughs> not a good showing. Um, Cashed in the little one drop. 
Mm-hmm. And then played a couple satellites to get into the main and had a nice ROI on those and then busted the main on day one. Last 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 hand of day one. Uh, oh that's that's it. Well, I guess you uh did you go right home after that? I guess you got to get go home earlier, or did you stick around? I think I stuck around for like maybe one or two more days. We had a friend who uh who's staying with in, with us in the house that like made a pretty deep run. Okay. I didn't stay for the whole thing, but uh yeah, stayed for a couple more days and then came home. Usually at that point of the summer, I generally just like bust my last tournament, you know, look up on an app on my phone like when the next flight out of town yep. is and just like go directly there and not yep. care how much it costs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can all sympathize with that after a lot of a lot of, you know, unfortunately disappointing ends to tournaments. At that point you're ready to just go home. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the way that that last, you know, the last hand of like the main event and like just to lose on like the very last hand of the first yeah. day, it's just like, oh, so brutal. It's just like, I'm out of here. That's frustrating. So a month passes and then you find yourself at the Heartland Poker Tour. Did you play live? Did you do anything between that? Did you take time off or did you uh, did you continue grinding during that time frame? Uh, it's been a little while, so my memory's not perfect, but generally I think, uh, you know, Got home, probably took like a week or two off max, and then just got right back to it. My work ethic of, as late of late has been just like all I really want to do is play and try and make as much money as I possibly can. And so, you know, definitely been playing like quite a bit of live PLO cash and um, some live no limit cash with respect, and also some um, online tournaments as well. And then, uh, so yeah, was probably just doing that, like breaking even, fl- keeping afloat for a little while. And then, yeah, I went and played this and was fortunate enough to have some success. So tell us about it. <clears throat> tell us about that experience. We'll get into some hands uh, soon enough, but tell us about, you know, the motivation to play it. Was this something you had to travel to? Um, and what was it like? I've actually never played a Heartland Poker Tour event. Did you like it? Was it a, was it a fun event or, or what's your impression on it, of it? I I do like them. They're, you know, they've gone through some structure changes in the years that I've been going there, some good and some bad. But this, I consider this event at Soaring just because it's 90 minutes away, maybe two hours away from my my home downtown. It's it's kind of hard to justify like justify not going. Right. Um, it's just there's usually so much money to first, and the fields are generally not difficult. They run a lot of great satellites. Um, and again, it's just like so close. Like there's only so many tournaments on the regional circuit that like someone could drive to basically, and this is definitely one of them. So right, right. Um, so I've I've made a habit of going almost every time I can in the last four or five years or whatever. And so this was no exception. Definitely had to find my way out there this year. How long is this tournament? Is it like uh, multiple day ones? Is it like four day? Like what what's the length of this? How what, how they structure it? It's slightly different in every city, if I recall correctly, but um, it's generally like two or three or maybe even four day one flights. So sometimes it's usually over like three days and maybe like the last day they'll stack like two flights or they'll just do like two days of two flights each kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They're 40 minute levels on the first day. And then I think like either from right in the money or on day two, they're uh, one hour levels. Okay. Um, They're... You know, you start out with a lot of chips, and the blind structures don't go up, like, incredibly fast. It's, like, whatever they called it, like, chainsaw approved or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't care less, but you get the idea. For uh, those yeah. who don't know what Chris means there, uh, it was Alan Chainsaw. What's his last name? 
Kessler. Kessler from the 2 plus 2 forums and Twitter um, is definitely someone who tweets, talks, posts a lot about the structures of tournaments um, and picks the nuanced, uh, intricate issues with the structures. <laughs> um, and he's like a watchdog for, for that. So if it's approved by Chainsaw, it's probably a pretty, uh, pretty well-structured tournament. Yeah, and to and to their credit, I mean, it, it like the levels themselves are well structured. It kind of does get a little bit fast, with like the forty minute blind levels and just like the general pace of play with like you know the average age of that crowd. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about it. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so what it what is a chainsaw? So a chainsaw approved structure is that one that doesn't cater too much to the early stages and allows more play in the mid to late stages, or does it? throughout the whole thing provide a lot of open play. It does play, it does provide a lot of play. I think it was like 30k starting, 100 big blind to start, then 150, 1212 with an Annie or maybe 153 was the first Annie. I can't recall perfectly. Um but you get like the 250 500 level, which is kind of nice. You don't get yeah. that in other tournaments like you get the 2.5k 5k level with a 500 yeah. 500 Annie, which you don't get in a lot of other tournaments. Yeah, because um, like five hundreds have already been like taken off the, you know, taken off the mat by then. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think what I think the issue that a lot of people have who look at these and 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 study the tournament structures is that they tend to cater towards this concept of deep stack, where you get like a zillion chips in the beginning, and you get and the antes are like twenty five fifty or fifty hundred, and it seems like you're super deep, but but as the the levels progress, they miss key levels, which bring you in the mid game, actually make it more, you know, more open and le- less skillful than it could be if you're adding the levels that you just mentioned there, Chris. So, so I think I think that's what people look at when they're looking at the good structures. Well, what's going on in the mid level? Um, are we are we are we uh, are we stealing from that portion of the tournament to cater to make it the illusion of these stacks are gigantic to start? Because people kind of, people kind of like that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, and um, you know, I didn't mean to kind of like seem like I was shitting on Kessler by saying it that no, way. No, no, <laughs> yeah, def- it's definitely like their their marketing tool for like how they, you know, like our structure is great. It's Kessler approved, like whatever the hell that means, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People need to understand that just because you're starting with thirty thousand chips and the blinds are fifty a hundred, if you're gonna miss those levels that Chris just mentioned, the the, the two fifty five hundred, the the twenty five hundred, five thousand. It starts to get short and tight when the, it starts to really count, and and that's that's what a good structure will have in there. It'll make sure that when the play gets serious, um, that you have the the room to to play. So, anyway, yeah. just a little uh, structure education for those who may not uh, <laughs> dig into the uh, the structure sheets. I, when I go play a tournament, I actually look at the structure sheets. <laughs> Take right a search. It's all right. I like it. Take them. Yeah. To school. That's right. Well, it's an educational podcast. We got to we got to we got to do something for the people. <laughs> My guess is Diego actually creates like Excel spreadsheets Shut up. with algorithms. Shut up! <laughs> I do. V lookups, and he's like pulling data from one spreadsheet to another. I, he's like, yes. You know, I've done that um, when I, <laughs> I knew it. I I've done that when I'm considering different tournaments to play, especially like when going to the World Series, and there's the Venetians, which I don't play anymore because of the um, the, uh, the hypocr- hypocrisy of Sheldon Anderson, but back a couple of years ago, you know, I'd com- 
to really understand the structure, I'd actually like create spreadsheets that compare like where where structures are at different points in the tournament. And so, thank you for exposing me there, Derek, for the <laughs> hashtag <laughs> door. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's I'll structure be, tangent. I'll you as a structure nerd. Yeah, that's true. Look, I, who doesn't like a little structure porn? Okay, so I'll, <laughs> I'll share my uh, my structure spreadsheets if uh, if anyone wants. <laughs> okay, anyway, little little structure tangent, but uh, but uh, you were there. Um, you like the structures, um, you know. Relatively, I have heard that it's a relatively soft field. Um, you know, it attracts a good a good crowd, recreational crowd, um, amateurs. So. Take us through it. Um, give us an idea of what it was like. I mean, it, you know, did you fire multiple bullets? Was this something that you were um, heavily invested in? Like, how, how did it start off for you? Uh, yeah, I fired multiple bullets to answer the first question. I busted, I think, one of the last levels on day one. Um, as you mentioned, you start with 30,000 in chips, and I think that was the day where I never went lower than 26 and never went higher than, like, 38 the entire tournament. Right. And then just, like, busted when blinds were huge and I just like found a reshove spot kind of thing. Um, that, that was the Thursday flight and it was kind of interesting because that day only started with like 60 something people or something like that. And like when I busted, they were like, you know, 18 or 21 or something. So there was like concern that, you know, it might actually be paced as such that, you know, you're on like a final table bubble, quote unquote, on day one A of this. <laughs> you know, it'd be pretty annoying to sit six handed or whatever, you know, yeah. like when you don't need to be as if it's like the final table bubble. Um, right. But fortunately for everyone involved, it didn't really come to that. But um, yeah, that was pretty much day one A. I think uh, I played like pretty whatever, didn't really get in a lot of interesting good spots, but. Um, toward the end, I was sitting with um, Josh, who eventually won the tournament, and my friend George, and then they got to watch me get my face melted by a <laughs> by an older guy. It was like a really funny hand. There's no like no strategy whatsoever involved, so I'll just like say it. But um, this older gentleman who is like, you know, uh, not doesn't seem like he's totally with it. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, he. Is dealt me and him both moved to the, this new table. It's my second hand, and now he, it's his first hand. And he had been playing at my previous table, which just broke, and he had been playing like pretty crazy. It he's dealt into the big blind, but then tries to muck his hand first to act because he thinks he's under the gun, despite just posting a blind. Yeah, right. And I don't think it's an angle shoot. Like I really think he's just like trying to fold his hand. And my friend George goes like, "Oh no, no, you're the big blind. Hang on to your hand. Hang on to your hand." So it ends up folding all the way to me in the small blind, and I have like a, I think I have like a 20, 22 big blind stack or something like that, and I just look down at like 8-3 suited and decide like this isn't any two card spot, yeah. and open to like three big blinds or something, just to like really discourage him from like getting embarrassed and peeling. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he like looks at his cards and like looks at me and then just makes it like 19 big blinds. <laughs> 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 and as soon as he does that, like, I can see my two friends, like, make eye contact with each other, and then, like, I look down at my hand, I try to, like, you know, save face, but, like, he makes yeah. it, like, he does make it at least, like, 16 big blinds, like, to a point where I have, like, zero fold equity, and yeah. I just have eight high. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. a guy, after trying to muck his hand out of turn, it folds to me, I open, and then I have to open fold to a huge three bet, <laughs> like, 90-year-old man. Yeah. You got got. 
I got got so bad. <laughs> the, the best part too is like it became clear to George like you know before I folded that I wasn't going to do anything, and so he just starts <laughs> laughing out yeah. loud like in the while well, I'm still acting, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we all know when you're thinking you're you're just. You're you're done. <laughs> we could <laughs> just, uh, we know you're opening there like ninety eight percent. So you're folding, you know, seventy five percent. I just want to know what the old guy's hand is. <laughs> I don't know. He never showed. Like it's fascinating to me that he folded and then decided to put or tried to fold and then put that many chips in. Like is he just so smart that he knows you're just making a move because you thought he was folding or how many know. he had heaps too so it's like if he did double me up like he still probably had like 80 big blinds or something like that you know so he he had heaps and you had you said 20 something yeah huh. oh my god but again when you pre-fold your hand i just assumed you're folding yeah. 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 yeah i didn't you should have stopped and go to I underestimated the stuff. Well, I said that out loud to a friend, like, after. I was like, well, I guess I could have, like, stop and go, but probably <laughs> not really. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was day one. I think I busted to, like, one of my friends, like, shortly thereafter. So it was, like, a pretty embarrassing situation all all in all. Um, But day one, B, um, just went, like, much better. Uh first couple levels like didn't have too much happening had a couple friends from like motor city games that were at my table that you know came and went um and just got in some like pretty fortunate situations like uh had an opponent give me a stack with zero percent equity on the turn um so like you know i flush over like top pair and a flush draw to him and uh got a stack there and like turn, you know, 60 K over the course of the day. And so like, I think I ended the first day with like 180 something. Nice. And then, um, day two is just like, I don't want to say fairy tale, but day two is just like so many people just trying to dump off stacks with like no equity whatsoever. Right. <laughs> and Josh was to my right, uh, at the start of that day. And like, you know, we started the day off. He was joking like, yeah, try not to three bet me every single time I open. Ha ha ha. And then he just had to sit there and just, like, watch these guys just, like, dump stacks to me, like, with no action. <laughs> I could just, like, I'd shoot him a glance after every big pot, and he would just, like, roll his eyes, roll his eyes, roll his eyes. <laughs> Love those days. Yeah. That was just the best. Everything's uh, so great. Yeah, toward the end of that day, won, like, a really, really, really big pot um, on the uh, final table bubble, and that was all she wrote. Nice, and we, you know, we'll go into some strategy of some hands, but this final table featured you and a very close friend, right? Yep, Josh was the guy that I mentioned before, and he's uh, he's been a really close friend of mine since, you know, I was starting out grinding charity rooms around Michigan. Um, we were playing, like, quite a few of the same games, and, like, I think he was actually, like, working in the room at uh, one point or another, but um, we've known each other for quite a long time and I can't tell you how many times throughout our like poker careers you know you've like called or texted or like seen in person and said what up and been like one or the other would say to each other like oh yeah I'm on like a 40 buy-in downswing the sky is falling like life sucks like, yeah yeah I hate poker and you know you got like the encouragement of like no you got this like chill it out like things will come back to normal and like you'll start winning again and like you know so we've been through so many of those it was so cool to just like we both just like pick off six figures of this thing and that's got to be so cool because you know the the jo- like you guys both know and I'm sure a lot of people listening 
who, when they get deep into a tournament and they make a final table and they're making a deep run, the euphoria of it, you know, especially when you get in between days, right? And you get to kind of, you know, you're just kind of in that zone and, and, and unfortunately it doesn't happen as much as you'd like uh, in tournaments. So to have a really, someone do, having that same exact experience with you um, that you can kind of, that, that you could share that with must must have just been awesome. Like, did you guys have, were you guys staying together? Was were you like how, how did how did you guys did you guys like have dinner and talk about like the, the table and like the players? Like, what, what was that? Like, what is that like exactly? We didn't have dinner at like the final table or like too many of the tables leading up. But we've and we didn't actually technically uh, room together this trip, um, just because he made it on the first day one and so he came back home and like spent two or three days at home before coming oh, back okay. yeah and yeah. I, my sorry ass had to stay there for the whole trip right um <laughs> but we have room together on like countless other trips to like yeah. you know chicago florida indiana vegas you name it like and uh it's right what you said about you know it's cool to have like somebody there who's been like a really good friend of yours for a long time and like share the experience and like for me this is my first you know quote-unquote big final table um live right. at right. least so it was you know like there's already that excitement but then it's also exciting like he was a friend of mine that was at the final table um alex ahmed's a friend of mine was that you know to my direct left at the final table for a while oh wow um kyle's another guy who's like a motor city regular that i play with quite a bit he was at the final table so like that was really cool as well oh and like Vinny ho i think was um the name of one of the other guys there he used to like crush my face at like two five no limit when I would go up there and play at Soaring Eagle actually before uh uh like while I was at Michigan State. I would make the trip up there every so often and like play their like Friday two five game. So you know, I've been playing poker with so many of those guys for like, you know, seven years or something like that. So it was always wow. it was really cool to like all of us were kinda of congregating on this final table and we got to duke it out. That's awesome. That that's that's awesome. So now day two was the, 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 the fairy tale day. Um, how many people were left at the end of day two? Um, I think we played, well, we played day two down to, am I doing this right? Friday, Saturday. Yeah. I think day two was Sunday and we played that all the way down to like the final table and then day oh, okay. three was the final table. Day three was so, the final table. Okay. So yeah, the nine, um, I want a big pot like Kings to ace King to eights for like a third of the chips in play with like 10 or 11 to go. Oh, Wow. Um, so like, yeah, just got put in this like dream scenario where you just get put, you know, right to the final table with like a third of the chips in play. Like how could it go wrong? You know? <laughs> oh man, that really is all a dream. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and how long was it? I mean, how, how long was the, the, the final table? Was it, you know, six hour, 12 hour day? Was it, was it a long final table? It was a pretty long final table. I think the whole stream for them came out to be something like eight hours. Okay. Um, so, like, including all the breaks and stuff. I think that that might be, like, my one criticism, honestly, of HPT is, like, the the breaks just get – you just, like, run through your day when you're playing. Like, 40-minute levels, you get, like, a 10- or 15-minute break, which is, like, completely fine with me. I'm not an advocate for, like, the 20- or 30-minute breaks, like, every, you know, three, four levels or whatever. Like, you kind of get yeah. with the – the World Series sometimes, but their dinner break was like 45 minutes, and it was oh, pretty wow. early in the day. So it's like you run through this really quick dinner break, and it's really more like what would be your lunchtime, depending on like what time you wake up, like 
me right, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> for a poker tournament. Like you start at, I think we started at like two in the afternoon, and then your dinner break is at like four thirty or five, and then you're at it till like two, three, four in the morning. So yeah. it's like you have this dinner break when it's really would be like lunch, and then right. you have like just fifteen minute breaks for like the rest of the day. So you have to like try and figure out a way to like squeeze a meal in, you know, one of these breaks somewhere. So, did you um did you plan for that cuz at the World Series what I would do is I would bring like a protein bar or, uh or buy fruit from the poker kitchen and I found that I was able to really kind of time my protein bursts or sugar bursts to 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 the tournament itself like if you plan in advance is it possible to do that in these in in these casinos or is it just impossible to find anything healthy Um I mean, Soaring Eagle is definitely not known as like the, the healthiest place to eat quick. Uh, I'll, I'll say that out loud. I don't think that's going to be too controversial of a statement. Right, right. Um, and don't get me wrong. I ended up at PT's Pub after I bust, so it's not like I was <laughs> I was really like eating the healthiest while I was out there. But while I was playing, I was I knew coming in that it was going to be tough to manage like eating well, so I would try to plan for it. Generally, on these kind of things, like these regional stops and like these main events that don't give you that great of a like break structure. Um, you know, I'll try and come with like, I'll, I'll like run out real quick off campus to get like food in the nearby area if there's yeah. time. And when I stop there, I'll just get like two meals and like any, try and get it, base it around something that can, you know, sit in a backpack or sit yep. in a car or something for a couple hours and not go like completely gross, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's basically it. I mean, <laughs> that's the glorious life of, you know, playing these Midwestern tournaments, but. So take us down from nine to you know the first couple of bust outs. Anything interesting there, or did did you uh, you know, or was it more about the last couple of of players um, where the interesting stuff happened? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't make too many, too many, too much of like a chip shift uh, between like nine and I would say like six or five players. Um, definitely, you know, like took all my standard opens and like with three bet a more liberal amount than normal. Um, like, I think I three-bet the first hand against Josh's button open, and then three-bet him maybe, like, a couple more times between, like, nine and seven-handed. Right. But didn't really get, like, too big of a push, um, I would say, until we were down to, like, five-handed. But, you know, a lot of that, too, was, like, you know, they had mentioned in the stream, like, I wasn't opening many buttons, and, like... Uh, you know, I was playing tighter than I had, like, backed off a little bit or whatever. And most of that was just because, like, it'd be unopened to me on the button. I'd look down at five-deuce offsuit, and I had, like, two people to my left who would call, like, every open and try and play out of position. It's like, right, okay, well, I guess I can't open this one, you know, so. Right, um, right. Do that for a little while, and then, uh, yeah, like, once we got down to, like, I think Kyle busted and the teacher busted, whose name escapes me, and then, um... Alex busted in seventh, and that was when I had a pretty big hand against Alex where I opened button. It was folded to me on the button. He opened kings. He actually, I think, made, like, a great play to not go broke this hand. He flatted ace-queen offsuit in the small blind, uh-huh. where I think a lot of people would have preferred to three-bet me. Um, how, how deep were you guys? Uh, I'm going to have to remember the hands. It's um, I want to say we were, like, 30 or 40-plus deep. And, yeah, I would say we were, like, somewhere between, like, 30 and 40 deep. I covered the whole table, but I can't remember his exact chip stack. Right. Um, I opened the button. He flatted the small blind. And then the big blind, John, came along as well. 
in a game like Ace King X. Um, he check called flop, John folds, turn queen, he check calls turn, river brick, and then he check calls like two thirds or three quarters or something on the river. But, like never once puts in a raise, and that's the only way he can go broke there, basically. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, and he had ace queen, and then um. But then shortly thereafter, I think that left him with, like, 15 big blinds. So I think my assessment of how many chips he had is about right. Because that left him with, like, 15 big blinds, and then he jammed. It folded to me, me on the button, I folded, and he jammed 15 big blinds, like, 7-3 suited or 7-3 offsuit or something, and uh, ran into kings again. So, like, he was, that's how he went out in seventh. Um, and then, yeah, from there on, I mean, it just became, um, you know, my I was in a really favorable like I ran well in this tournament first of all like obviously you have to run well in terms of cards on their backs to get there um not too many like flips or anything but I ran really well in terms of circumstance where I just would have like heaps of chips and the toughest players were to my right and you know I could just like ICM abuse the hell out of everybody to my right and there was right nothing they could do about it it's you know no fault of their play whatsoever it's just like they can't you know when the difference between like sixth and first is like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. They can't <laughs> do anything too stupid, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah the, we see those spots like when I rail the Sunday Million sometimes on like late on Sunday nights, and it's just you'll see people who are just their ICM fucked. Like they can't do anything; they just have to have it or fold. Yep. Like those are their options because <laughs> somebody will have you know forty percent of the chips at the table. And the other guys are just waiting for small stacks to bust. That's all they can do. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, my 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 stance or my strategy, at least, like, nine-handed down was, like, we're going to be in a pretty good seat to make it to, like, the top three, like, almost automatically at this point. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a matter of, like, you know, I have some pretty active players to my left. I had Alex to my left, John to his left, and then Vinny to his left. And those were by far the three most active players at the table with the exception of, like, maybe myself. And so there wasn't going to be a lot of situations where I was just going to, like, raise it, take it. It was going to be a lot more situations where I was going to raise it, see a flop with, like, one or two of the guys to my left and have to play accordingly. So, right, right. you know, I just wasn't really in a situation where I could just, like, open with, you know, open super liberally and expect to, like, just print money. Um, you know what's so, the worst when you're in a situation like that? And, you know, like you just said, you go into the final table with, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty big stack. Um you know, you ha- you really you're in good shape to get to the final three, but you just get coolered, <laughs> like seven, eight, nine, and like in hands that you can't avoid playing, and now you're in danger to make the final three. Like that's the most <laughs> that's the most frustrating situation in a final table where like I don't even want to play these hands yet. I'm opening you know ace queen in the small blind, and you know I end up playing you know out of position and circumstances. You know, I lose chips, or or you get cool, or you know, aces lose to, to queens, or something like that, and now you're you're stuck um, battling for the top three. Yeah, you know, just just a yeah. frustration. Um, so I almost, you know, you're almost like uh, not that you want to pass up any EV spots, but it's almost better when you don't get the cards in that situation down from nine to five. Um, yeah, just so you you avoid the the frustration, but not, not, <laughs> yeah. not that I would turn them down, but you know what I mean. There was actually yeah. one one really weird hand. Um, now I'm thinking about it. Between it was either like eighth place was knocked out in this spot, or like seventh place was or ninth place was knocked out in the spot. And it was um, I'm in the small blind. John's under the gun. 
John has a stack of, I think, like 1.8 mil to start the hand um, with blinds at 30-60, I want to say. He opens for a min-raise, and Kyle, who plays like a pretty tight, I don't want to say straightforward, but like a really tight game, and it has a short stack, so like for him to shove here, it's pretty tight. Yeah. But he only has um, like 5.5 or 6 big blinds. Um, He shoves. It's folded to me in the small blind with, like, all of the chips. I think I have, like, 120 big blinds at this point. Um, I have ace-10 suited. I just cold call from either the small blind or big blind with ace-10 suited. And John calls. Um, flop comes. Would it, be, would it be too nitty to just fold there? I don't... I think it would be a little bit too nitty to just fold, but although I did consider it, I would consider folding in a spot where I think that I have a opponent who's, like fairly sophisticated left to act behind me and like he might be able to like badger me out of more pots than I really want um my assumption for this hand was that he was going to play really straightforward and we were just going to like try to play to knock out Kyle together right like although we don't stand to make a ton of money between the difference between like say eighth or seventh like just getting a player knocked out like I feel like this hand is just too strong to just fold straight up but it doesn't necessarily act as a huge favorite over Kyle's shoving range or like John's opening range at this point exactly yeah that's what I was thinking okay um, but from my chip stack perspective, like I don't really stand to lose a lot of chips in this situation that often, and I felt it was going to play fairly straightforward. So, um, which turned out to be kind of wrong. But um, <laughs> so I flat ace ten suited, and then John flats behind me. And like if John decided to like shove all in behind me or like four bet behind me, I definitely would have folded my hand like pretty confidently. Um, so like for all those reasons, I didn't think flatting and like staying starting out of position would be too bad of a situation. Um, Flop comes, ten of clubs, nine of clubs, like X of diamonds, like four of diamonds, and I have ace ten of diamonds. Um, I think there was like seven hundred thousand in the pot. If I'm doing my math right, and again, I'm guessing at what the blinds were, but I'm pretty sure they were like thirty k, sixty k. Okay. And um, so, so you flop top pair and backdoor flush draw. Top pair, backdoor flush draw. Yeah, okay. I actually John had. Yeah, I think it was like 700k in there, and John had like 1.8 million. Okay. Um, I actually donked for 250k, mm-hmm. and then John made it 700k. Ugh. <laughs> so, what are your guys' thoughts on that spot? And like, how would you prefer to play flop if anything different? I kind of like the donk yeah. because you think the villain is somebody who's going to play like pretty straightforward and attempt to knock this guy out. And like, this is just sort of us going, Hey man, I flopped top pair. You can fold now. Yeah. Which, but that kind of makes me think that we're in big trouble when he let, when he raises, like, what is he, what is he raising with that? And you said John was the one who plays relative nitty straightforward or that was the guy who, that was, that was Kyle shove. Like to say that, that John Kyle, yeah. plays, relatively straightforward, I guess, at this point, was, like, a little bit um, too early to say. I mean, I had played with him before in, at, like, the final table bubble leading up to this point. Um, but at the final table up to that point, and for, like, much of the final table after that point, he played, like, a very straightforward, like, left-me-alone game. Um, wasn't willing to, like, duke it out because he was, at least intuitively, he seemed aware of, like, ICM and, like, he wants to progress forward and not you know, dump off chips between, like, sixth and three-handed so that he can, you know, get to the final three or whatever. Right. Um, so 
Yeah, my assumption on the hand was like, you know, if I donk lead, it's to like protect my hand against random overcards, um, yep. to extract value from like other ten x's, um, extract value from like one over plus flush draws, and um, in other words, just to like get him to fold often. And I think I'm a like slight favorite against Kyle's likely holdings at this point. So, and this is one of the better flops for my hand anyway. Yeah, it's just a, the, the only hard part is like what he raises. I'm thinking to myself, well. I'm, I might not be in good shape here, but I can't really figure out what he has, <laughs> you know? Yeah, my I mean, estimation of, like, his this value range at this point in game was, like, king-queen of clubs, like, ace-queen of club type hands, um, mm-hmm. assuming, like, ace-king of clubs would have, like, come back over the top of me uh, after I just flat. Yeah. Um, that. Or, That's true. And I see this all the time, all the time in uh, live tournaments of this kind, like, there's a lot. There's like a subset of people who will be happy to like flat jacks, queens, and sometimes even kings to like CSA flop and then get it in. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you about what you think he does with jacks and queens. Yeah, and that that's exactly like kind of what I thought was going on. It was like, all right, he flatted queens, he saw a safe flop, but he's like making his stand, quote unquote, and like you know not seeing any other cards. Um, <laughs> right. He he saw no ace on the board. He's happy. He's Ready to just take it down now. And I mean, this is this in this own tournament had happened to me already twice. Where I think Patrick was the name of the teacher who busted ninth. He had flatted me where he was in position on me with like queens one time. Saw like a ten high flop, and I like bet folded a ten against him, and he showed. And there was another one where a guy had limped queens or kings or whatever in the small blind, intending on me to raise, and then. I checked it off and then made like some absurd bet on the flop trying to like protect his hand because, you know, he's like afraid of seeing turns and rivers. So I just thought that this is like a pretty common thing that you see live. Yeah. So like having him on like queens and jacks and like two overs with a flush draw or like maybe even that in some extreme cases like a set of nines because I think like mm-hmm. nine, eights through queens are in his range there as well. Um, yep. So, so I bet folded yeah. after like yeah. some consideration – and then got shown two sevens. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And the flop was ten what? Ten, ten nine four with two clubs ten, and a diamond and he rates seven. <laughs> oh, wow. That is pretty much the last thing I would have put in mind. Same. Well, the problem the, I mean the problem is that you're I feel like your hand is kind of face up. Like It is, but I again know? like I had felt that if he had put it if he had seen me put my hand face up his reaction was going to be to, like, leave it alone because he didn't want to, like, jeopardize his stack. And, like, he did put in, like, a right. third of his stack on the turn, you know, with, like, an SPR of three. So I just felt like there, I had no fold equity whatsoever. Um, like, going with it, I would just get crushed by, like, his call range. I didn't think he had many... I didn't think he had any raised folds here um, in his range, so I was obviously wrong about that. But, um, yeah, that was, like, like, one of the... I agree with you, and I, th- I would have done pretty much the same thing, but I fe- it feels like such a good good spot to bluff you off. Like, I don't know, something about it. I, and I know I'm obviously saying this after you revealed his hand, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's easy to, 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 to jump to that rationale. Um, but your hand is so face up that, and, and given the jacks and queens seem really strong in my range, like, it just seems like I can make you believe that here. Uh, if I have the balls to put a big part of my stack at risk that I'm going to have to fold if you come over the top. Um, yep. But it's a great spot for it. It's a beautiful spot. Okay, anyway, continue. 
Yeah, that's that's basically how that hand went. It's just like I bet folded. I guess like <laughs> talking about it with other friends, like you know, some had preferred like you know check calling just because um, like his range is still kind of strong, um, and like donking does put me in the spot that you're you're you know describing very well. Is like it puts my hand sort of face up. I have like a pretty capped range because I wouldn't be flatting like aces or kings here. I don't have too many sets in my range. I guess like I would flat nine some of the time. Um, I don't know. That's a pretty difficult spot as well. What I would do with like exactly nines and tens, I would guess I would four bet. So um, if you um, if you check call there, um, I mean I know it depends on how the board runs out, but uh, how are you feeling about? <clears throat> I think you're obviously going to see give two streets there, but are you willing to go three streets with top pair? If it remains top pair, um, with a completely dry side pot, I would guess it's no. But yeah, um, right. right. You know that I think that I'm not getting triple barrel. I don't see any reason to like be triple barrel bluffing me, yeah. where like our stacks are so much deeper relative to Kyle's yeah. starting stack. Right. So, mm-hmm. and right. again, like pulling off a triple barrel bluff so that you might make me fold the best hand, and then Kyle sur- tr- survives and triples up as yeah, opposed to yeah. like gets knocked out, like, that seems pretty ridiculous, too. Right, right. That's right. actually what I thought about his rain, his raise as well, is, like, okay, yeah, it's, like, a really great spot if I put my hand, quote-unquote, face up, and you can, like, exploit that and bluff me. Kyle's range is stronger than sevens plus, and, like, like Kyle's mm-hmm. range is, like, sevens plus and, like, ace-king suited, ace-queen suited here. So, like, yeah. you're not a huge favorite against Kyle's hand range already, and you're probably not a you're definitely not a favorite against my bet range, but like if you can bluff me off and then somehow still be ahead of Kyle and then still hold, like yeah, it's a <laughs> right. great play, and that's exactly what happened. But I do not think that's the you know the standard as opposed to like the exception of the rule. So here here's a question then: if if we I agree with everything you just said, and if we can safely fold to three barrels if we check call the the flop and turn, is it you know, is it detrimental to just play that straightforward and, you know, resign to give up chips to, you know, if, 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 uh, if he does three barrel, like, cause it's such a, it feels like such a safe play. Like you, you're, you, for all the reasons you just said, I don't think he's going to be betting a, a river, um, if he doesn't have it. So I'm, playing super you know you're playing super passively here check calling two streets and then folding to a third um because of the the dynamic of of the final table like is that is that just too passive or or is that just you know maybe the way you should play a given given icm i don't know if it's too passive it definitely has to do with like your view on the frequency of which you're going to get triple barreled and my guess is in live poker in these settings and against like you know not to knock the final table but like the field composition as well you're, the percentage of times you find yourself facing a triple barrel on, like, this flop and, like, any other run out, I would say would be, like, minuscule. And so, right. uh, in general, I would find that, like, you can you can approach those spots by, like, folding more often than you feel is okay because, um, in general, they don't happen that often. And when they do, it comes from a hand that's for value. Um, right. You know, this isn't, like, I'm not playing, like, a Stars final table against, like, you know, four or five sick Germans, you know. Um, So I don't anticipate getting triple-barreled, like, nearly as often as we might be, like, estimating in our own heads. Right, Um, because part of my reaction is, well, I 
I can check call two streets here, and if I get raised on a third, I can just fold. And it feels a little bit too predetermined, you know, to take that strategy. And I know, like, you know, turn cards and river cards can change the situation drastically, but it almost feels like too straightforward of a decision, and am I not thinking the hand through enough if I'm going to resign myself to that that strategy because it does seem safe to fold. Like I, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking three street, two streets ahead, and I'm like, well, if I can, I'm gonna, you know, I'll call here, I'll call a turn, and I'll fold the river, assuming nothing crazy happens with the board. Um, it just feels too automatic and maybe not dynamic enough. But maybe in this situation, given what you just said about what happens on a on a river, maybe it's not the worst way to be thinking. Um, yeah, like I haven't been, you know, put in too many of those spots, you know. Never at a live final table, but like certainly not too many even um <clears throat> excuse me online final tables, so you know I think one thing i I could add to your uh your thought process there would just be that you know quite often when we check to check call like there's still a subset of times where it checks through uh yeah. so like him betting there, I don't think is incredibly rare, but it's relatively rare given the situation um yeah, that, you're right, you're right. You know, that's him, us having Kyle all in yeah, and some right. sort of ICM implications of, like, Kyle's going to get stacked this hand more often if there's two of us versus if there's one of us, you know? So I, I that's why I'm saying that I think, you know, the check, he bets, call, check, he bets, call, check, he bets, river, you know, that's going to happen, like, such a narrow percentage of times given the situation that I would expect most of the time it's for value and not, some sick like triple barrel yeah. shove river with like air so that you can like bluff a dry side pot. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay or create cool. a side pot off a dry side pot and then bluff it to win. Right. But ironically enough, like when he raised me and I folded, he like rolled his hand and said he wanted to get a refund on his all in, like on his all in with Kyle, because he knew that if I bet two fifty and then like he bet. He said, you know, he knew that if I bet 215 was going to fold, Kyle's all in was only for like 300K or something. So he'd be like basically breaking even on the hand and like whatever, right. free rolling like whatever equity he had against Kyle, <laughs> which I thought was a really interesting way to put it. But so what, what ended up, what did he end up having? So he ended up having sevens and Kyle had eight. Oh, that's right. You said you mentioned that. Sevens held. Right. right, right. Okay. Sick hand. Oh. But. So cool. So that yeah, that's weird. That's a weird yeah. spot to be in. Very. So that was like roughly seven-handed. Yep, seven-handed. Then I had the kings to seven or eight-handed. He boss. We go seven-handed. I had kings to Alex's ace queen. Alex again, I think did a really good job not to go broke because I can tell you like quite a few of my friends would have definitely three bet that hand for value. Yep. And given that same run out in that situation, I most definitely would have stacked him by the turn. Um, and then what else? Oh, there was a hand against, there was a hand against Vinny where I was kind of in a pretty interesting, um, spot on the river we could talk about, I guess. Sure. Is this the one that was on the, uh, HPT Facebook page? Yep. It was on their Facebook page. I think I opened the, it was folded to me and I opened ace jack offsuit in the cutoff. Um, so what, how many chips did you start with? This hand I started with over 4 million, I'm sure. Okay. And... What are the blinds at? Is it? I think the blinds are. I think blinds are twenty forty. Okay. So they said that I opened ninety five k on the blog. I don't really know if I was opening to that like that absurd of a size. 
I think I would have either made it like, you know, 80 and a Annie or like 100. I don't right. think I was making it 95,000 at that point, but. Right. Um, All right, well, let's, yeah, let's go with the roughly 80 to 80 or 100. So you opened it from Ace, you opened with Ace Jack off. In from the, the cutoff. From the cutoff. And where's Vinny? Vinny's in. Vinny's actually, I believe, in the small blind then. If I open the cutoff, because John was the button. Okay. So he opens, and you said you're five-handed here or four-handed? We're more than four-handed, because Vinny, I don't think Vinny made it four. Vinny would have busted out in five, so okay. the, the l- l- furthest we were down was five-handed, but I think this is actually like six or seven-handed. Six or um, seven. Okay. 2040K, I have over four mil. Vinny has, I think at this point, like, Vinny actually has like three. Um... So I've been to 95K, Vinny calls, either from the small line or big blind. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Yep. Um, flop comes, ace of hearts, queen of hearts, five of diamonds. I believe we have the jack of hearts. Um, he checks, and we see about 80K into, like, 200. Yep. He calls, turns the four of hearts. He checks, and I see but I honestly don't even remember it being the four of hearts, though. Um, it says again on the blog, I'm looking at the blog right now and it says it's the four of hearts. Um, but I remember it like being like a really safe board to continue betting with an ace. Um, so four of hearts or not, it's a four for sure. Okay. He checks and I bet 225k into like just under 400. I love every action so far. It all seems great. Um, and he calls... And again, he's been playing at this point of this tournament. Like he's been playing like pretty much most of the hands. I would say he's v pipping like, you know, between like forty and fifty percent, and like no three bets of any kind, but definitely just like calling and seeing a lot of flops. Like he's definitely used to the you know deep live, uh, deep stack live cash situation. Yep. So like him having like three point two mil at forty k big blind probably feels like absolute heaps to him. Right. So he's got what a bunch of slightly weaker aces, a couple smaller pairs, you know, uh, sevens, eights, nines. Like, what are, you, what are you putting them on here with um, the two calls? Yeah, I think, like, the dream scenario would be, like, he has, like, a ace that's dominated. He's most yeah. definitely capped because I think he would still aggressively three-bet, like, ace-jack suited plus yep. here. Yep. yep. Um, maybe, like, ace-jack suited is the fringe hand, but, like, ace-queen suited plus for sure. And, like, post-flop, even if he flatted, like, ace-queen offsuit. I think by now we would have heard from him if he had something like ace-queen and flop totally two agree. pair. Totally uh, agree. So I think his range is a lot of, like, flush draws. Again, it says it's the four hearts on the turn, and I don't think that's what it was. I think it was an offsuit okay. four. Um, this isn't generally, like, a sizing I would take with, like, the jack of hearts on a three-heart board where his range is some flush draws. So, um, so anyway, yeah, he check calls the four, and... River pairs bottom card, pairs of four. So ace, queen, five, four, four. Um, Vinny checks for a third time. What would you guys do? I, I'd be betting for value here. I think he could have a lot of queens, queen, jack, queen, queen, ten. Um, wait, your first, he, he checked, right? Yeah, so then, you know, he may call. He's probably falling with eight, eights, nines, tens, but or sixes, sevens, but you're you're beating those anyway. Um, so I think there's just a lot of hands here where he's you can 
you're I, I just feel like you're ahead almost all the time here, so you might as well bet. Um, it's a matter of sizing is the question I think. I would just the only thing I would say about like your analysis of his hand range is I would probably like cut out the like sixes through yeah. eights yeah. at this point. Just yeah, you're right. Just to a double barrel often. That's and fair. I might yeah. even I might even cap out tens because of the preflop action. I think tens is probably like a hand that he would be more apt to three bet rather than flat. And again, this is sort of dependent. It would be better if I knew exactly if he was the small blind or the big blind because like out of the big blind. You know, I think it'd be a lot less common for him to just flat tens there, and I think out of the small blind, it might be slightly more common for him to flat tens out of the small blind, um, without like a great reason behind it. But that's just what I generally see in these live tournaments. Is I, I, I agree with that. I, I think the bigger part of his range is a, is a weaker ace or a queen of some sort. Anyway. Okay, so we chop against the weaker ace as well here. So, um, so like, how would you plan on sizing in a pot of like approximately right. 900k? You're right. Like SPR on Rivers three, if that matters to you. There's two fours here, right? Um, yep. So you're 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 chopping with a weaker ace. I just don't feel like you're ever behind here. I think you could probably. Uh, I, I think you're either getting value, or maybe even you can potentially like not saying that he definitely would fold a weaker ace. But you might be able to get him to fold a weak race if you bet big enough here. And I don't think yeah, you're behind anyway. So I think I'd bet pretty pretty big, actually. Well, But then you want to get the value from the queens. Um, hmm. Well, you're, you've definitely walked right over what I think is the biggest decision on the river here is, like, whether you feel like you can get called by a queen and, like, that's small or you yeah. think that, like, you might be able to put a lot of pressure on somebody with like a chopping ace and just like right. blast away. That's right. That's right. That is it. Yep. That's exactly it. That's exactly what my hit. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to depend on, I mean, you know, it sounds like you've played a fair bit with this villain. So I think a lot of it depends on just how often we think we can actually get him to fold weak aces yeah. and how willing is he? To, like if he's a cash game player, like we might actually be able to get him to call with a queen if we bet, like, you know, twenty five percent of pot or something. I mean, if we yeah. go with pure pure probabilities, he's more likely to have a queen than an ace. So, I guess I would size it to get value from the queen. Yeah, pure probability definitely has more queens than aces, and um, like with flush draws bricking and such, um, I think it's the wash between all the like hands that he had that were draws that have now just become air on this river, on this run out. Mm. So, like, those hands are all just a wash as well. So it just becomes, like, do we try and, you know... I didn't really even think too long about the blasting him and off an ace part, just because game flow, I think, like, an ace was pretty much an automatic call. And, mm. I, you know, he had been playing, like, pretty loose and um, probably just, like, a little bit too call-heavy and gamble-heavy at this point in the final table. Right. So I actually bet smaller trying to value target a queen. Yeah. Bet 325k and then like approximately 900. I'm fudging numbers and like rounding, I think, in my head, yeah. but it was definitely 325k into like I sized it intending it to be like 33% pot yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that's that's where I ended up in my head too. I think I think that's that's right. Um, what about the element of do you think he would hero a larger bet? Um, you know, sometimes sometimes maybe I get too fancy with this this kind of thought process, but um, 
is there is there a larger bet size where we look bluffy and he's going to hero us with his his queen? We certainly have that dynamic where I could make it, you know, like a bigger size and like polarize, so to speak, my range yes. on the river between like bricked heart flush draws and like yep. the super nuts. And then apparently this would be like a little bit of a merge, I guess. Um, yeah, it'd be merged with the ace, uh, get him to fold an ace, right? <laughs> hashtag, hashtag merge. Hashtag merge. <laughs> hashtag doesn't pay. Um, yeah, I think that that dynamic certainly existed and you could make some sort of argument for it. I think yeah. that the percent chance that he calls between the two bets like drops off enough that you're not getting yeah, not getting as much of an expectation. Because I think for him, like 325K at this point of the tournament would have been like, a pretty automatic, just like whatever, call it, who cares? Yeah. Because I think, again, like thinking as a cash, pl- primarily a cash player, he's probably not going to worry about like how much of it is in, in terms of percentage of his stack or like ICM implications of a call here. But he will definitely know intuitively, like if you bet maybe 700K and he only starts the, he only starts the river with like 2.4 million, like now it's starting to become like a, a question. He, ha- he has to start questioning calling like much more harder. Yeah. Than yeah. he does with 325k because 325k is like, well, still got 2.4 million or something. Like, can certainly survive, you know. Yep. So, um, I just felt that like value wise, like 325 percent or 325k was like almost an automatic. And as soon as I got anything over half pot, we're definitely talking the the spectrum of like he's gonna probably just fold everything I beat and just like call with all his chops. Right. And then I guess sometimes just like try and hero it off with like queen jack or something, but. Right, but yeah, right. I think you get paid, you get paid such a high percentage as a smaller bet that it it does lean towards that from an EV perspective. So that makes sense. And I, like I guess it. I mean, it, so we decided the for the term is not really a hard. So I, I guess he had some sort of flush draw. Like I'm trying to think of what he called two streets with that he didn't call the river with. And he did call the river. Things. Oh, he did call. He called the river, and I won the whole pot. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. So he mu- so he just mocked. He didn't show his hand, I guess. Yeah, I rolled my hand, and he got to mock. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I just right. saw in the, the description that you bet, and he. Yeah, so you got it. Oh, yeah. He does say calls the bet three hundred twenty-five thousand. Yeah. So I guess he did. Uh, yeah, a queen. I guess. Yeah, had, had to be a queen. Like yeah. that's the only thing it can be, right? It had yeah. to be like king, queen, queen, jack, or whatever. Yep. yep. It's got to uh, be. Yeah. yeah, I did like the tiniest little fist pump when I got it, just when I got the pot <laughs> scoop to me, because I was like, yes, river decision was correct, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, got him. Yeah, and I guess knowing that it was a queen, bigger would have been bad, because he probably could have found a fold if you made yeah. it like 650 or something. Or maybe even bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, he probably has to fold a queen then. Yeah, and then he got a... Uh... He got Jackson against Josh's twos, and Josh flopped him pretty dead, um, which is pretty unfortunate for him. For Vinny, I should say. I think I actually saw that hand on TV. I remember that one. Or on the live stream on Twitch, I think, is actually where I saw it. I think Josh's get in there was, like, pretty standard. I think Josh started the hand with, like, between, like, 16 and 18 bigs. And Vinny had been, like, when Vinny had been, like, RFIing, like, all all the hands when it had gotten to him at that point. Like, if I had opened or John had opened, he would, you know, like, not, I don't want to say play straightforward, but he wouldn't, you know, get too insane in those situations. But when it was folded to him in late position at that point, yeah, he, I think it was five-handed at that point. Um, You know, he was opening, I don't want to say infinite, but he was opening quite a few. Right. So, you know, to, for Josh to defend twos there, I think would probably just be unnecessary. 
Um, and shoving all in just to like try and win the pot there isn't can't be that bad. He's yeah. not doing great against uh, Vinny's call range, but other than that, like I don't know how else I would play deuces given given how uh, Vinny had been playing up to that point in the final table. So yeah, what is that? Um, I'm curious because we were talking a little bit before we we started recording about Mount Pleasant about the soaring eagle and how how much has changed and stuff. What is it like? What's the atmosphere like there during that final table? Does it feel anything like a final table in Vegas, or is it just like completely different? Because to me, that casino just doesn't seem like the kind of place where there would be a final table happening <laughs> ever. Well, on top of that, like you, all those things you said are true, and then like on top of that, it's a Monday now, and it's in the afternoon, oh, yeah. and we're in a ballroom in a studio. <laughs> yeah. So no, it didn't. It didn't quite feel like. Didn't feel anything like a World Series final table. Not that I have that experience to stack against, but. Um, <laughs> It was a cool setting in terms of like it, you kind of felt like you were in like a little bit of a bubble and you could concentrate better. Um, my dad had came up and like surprised me for it, which was like probably by far the coolest part of the entire thing. So, oh really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah um, that's cool. You know, I had been calling him and keeping him updated, and like the night before, I told him like, "Hey, um, yeah, we got like a third of the chips in play with nine left. Like we're in a pretty good spot." And <laughs> you know, he had said like, "Oh yeah, you know, good luck, congratulations." And then when we went to go into like the front door of the ballroom for the tournament, he was already sitting there, which was really cool. I didn't know he was coming. That's awesome. That's awesome. So That's really cool. That that part of the atmosphere was obviously great. Like having my dad there is like a calming effect, and um, he doesn't really know too much about poker i mean like we used to play every so often on my kitchen table because i would just get bored and challenge him and stuff but he (laughs) you know not too long ago like when i was finished with school and stuff and i was like bouncing around between like home and east lansing um i had to like sit him down and explain like how poker works and like how people can actually make money at it and know they're going to make money at it like please don't (laughs) kick me out of the house because i don't have a job right (laughs) So it was really cool to have him there for like that, you know, I don't want to say crowning achievement, but that, you know, a little bit of vindication that, you know, like poker can turn out well and like good things do happen to people who work hard in it. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, for for people who don't know, I went to college in Mount Pleasant where where this tournament took place, so it's kind of weird to think that this went down there, but I, I've always said I'm going to go back and play that tournament one of these days, because everybody, everybody's always like, well, you have to go back. It's your alma mater. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go back there ever. <laughs> but uh, but I think I think one of these days I'm definitely going to have to make the trip. I mean, I still have family there, so it's like I could see family and make a personal trip out of it, too, but maybe play a little poker and maybe make a final table with Chris Moon. How much fun would that be? Maybe we'll go one and two. Yes, apparently you have that effect on me, so... <laughs> I guess I have to go now. That was one of the coolest tweets after that. It was like someone had, I don't, I forgot whose name it was, but had mentioned like, oh, Chris and Josh did something my friends have literally been joking about for years, like going together to a tournament and finishing one and two. It, yeah. That is just a fantastic story. So so how did you guys get there? What what uh, After this, were you the chip leader? Um, or was, was someone else, was Josh the chip leader after this? No, or? I was... I was ship leader, like, wire to wire from, like, day two to two-handed, oh, okay. and then did not win the tournament. <laughs> and I'm actually trying to remember, so I was watching the the feed. I'm trying to remember if, like, you, I mean, I know the, the bust-out hand was pretty much a cooler, sort of, I mean, for you, certainly. Um, I'm trying to remember how the sh- the ship sort of shifted to him. Was I mean, did, did he, like, kind of grind it out and, and sort of beat you, quote-unquote, heads up, or was it just sort of small pots, coolers? There were, 
there was, he was certainly playing well heads up, and, like, I've sat and watched him play, you know, some heads up tournaments, and, I mean, I did not think by any means that, like, I think it was a three to two, three to two chip leader to start, or slightly under that amount, because he stacked the last two people, so, wow. um, so he picked up, like, quite a few chips before heads up, but I, even going into that, I did not expect, like, I'm going to win very much more than the straight up percentages of our stacks right now. Like, you know, right. if I was, right. if I had 57% of the chips in play, like I did not see myself as like a 65% favorite or something like that to win. Um, Josh doesn't have a ton of no limit experience and he doesn't have a ton of tournament experience, but he knows his no limit well enough and he knows his heads up game and his game plans for those situations very well. Um, I've sat and watched him at like heads up W coops, just like mow over, uh, um, poker stars pros like uh, I won't mention any names but like I sat and watched him play like a PLO heads up against the poker stars pro and just like mow this guy down mow this guy down mow this guy down lose a flip start over mow this guy down mow this guy down, mow this guy down <laughs> right. lose a flip start over like, um, and then eventually win the thing so like having yeah. seen him do that like I know that I'm not going to go in there and just like you know announce my presence and just win um, right. by any means but there were a few pots where um you know, he got, like, a pretty perfect river on a spot where I took an unconventional line with top pair and a flush draw. I think I checked off, like, I defended 10-9 with the nine of hearts. It came, like, 10-7-6 all hearts, I want to say. A check called flop. Turn was, like, a brick three. I donk-led turn. He called. And river was a nine, offsuit nine. And I just check called like, I think it was like a 60% pot bet or whatever. And he had eight, five with the eight of hearts. So wow. like I had him, you know, a couple spots where like I have him dead to rights and just like paid off river, but like just really unfortunate run outs basically. And like, you'll see the last hand, like, you know, obviously very unfortunate run out as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that last hand. Cause it was, I mean, I guess it's not all that like super interesting from a strategy standpoint, but it's pretty friggin' exciting i guess it's gonna make such <laughs> a for him. when it comes out for sure yeah do, do you yeah. know did they tell you when it's coming out they had they had mentioned that they anticipated it was coming out a couple months and then i had talked to a friend from the final table who said that he heard a rumor that they were behind i'm not really 100 percent sure when it's supposed to come out but i'm sure i'll figure it out when it does and be able to tell everybody or whatever yep. if anybody yeah. actually cares and wants to be awake at 3 a.m watching like <laughs> Fox Sports Cincinnati or whatever it's <laughs> I want to watch. I want to watch. I do, too. Um, but, yeah, the last hand was, uh, was pretty interesting. He had already built up a chip lead. I think there was $15 million in chips in play, and I had, like, like high threes, low fours million in chips. Um, and the blinds were either, like, 50 and 100K or, like, 60, 120K or something. I open the button to like our standard size at that point, which was like 2.25. Um, he three bet to what was the standard size at that point, which was seven. Um, I actually just flatted aces with, which was going to produce an SPR of like exactly two, if yeah. I'm doing my math right. So, um, yeah, like the strategy wasn't too insane. I think just flatting there was just because of the dynamic of the game so far was that, you know, Josh had been three betting like an expanded linear value range from the big blind um, rather than defending now, just given that he had a chip lead and was putting pressure on me. Yeah. Um, I felt 
I had already four bet once, which was like a really hefty four bet because I had like 36 bigs in pocket threes, and he had three bets, so I just ripped um, and got a fold earlier in the heads up match. And so um, in this situation, I just figured if I had four bet to anything under than all in, it just looks like super super strong. And if I have four bet to all in, I just make him fold like a very high percentage of the time, just yeah. given that he's, his three bet range is much wider than it normally would be here. Um, and I blocked two cards from his calling range as well. So I just ended up flatting and just deciding like I was going to be able to get it all in on like quite a few flops anyway. And, you know, there's so many flops where he just like flops top pair and actually only has like 20% equity against my hand. So I just felt like it was a great spot to flat there. I, I totally agree. I think, I think if, I, given that SPR, it seemed that, and for those who don't know, SPR is stack to pot ratio. Um, it's, it, it's not going to be hard to get this in post flop. So, it, yeah. and you're going to, like you said, you're going to make him fold a lot of hands when you four bet. So, makes yep. sense. Yep. So, yeah, I just flatted. Flop came. King Jack five with two diamonds, and I have the ace of diamonds. Um, he C bets for seven bigs again. So, like, exactly the same size as his um, three bet. And I shove all in for 27. And then he snap calls, and he has King Jack. Uh, <laughs> the turns of five, so pairs bottom card. Yeah. So now you're ahead. So now I'm ahead, and we're looking at like being a like even heads up or like just slight favorite heads up now, and then rivers a jack. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it and just being like, oh my god, that just ha- that actually just happened. You <laughs> so painful. <laughs> I just feel for you. The only thing that made it kind of okay is I think it had dawned on me at that point that you and him were friends because you seemed incredibly happy for him. I was. I was. Like, you, you did not – I mean, it's the first time I think I've ever seen anybody lose, in a, especially in a scenario like that, where I was like, well, he didn't even really flinch. Like, it doesn't seem to have bothered him one bit. <laughs> like, he's just over there going, good job, man, you won. There, there are definitely two factors in play there. Like, first was absolutely, like, very, very happy for Josh. I think he – played like incredibly well at the final table, obviously like had some good, good run outs and some good situations happen to him. But like he said, first thing himself, like you need these things to happen to you if you're going to win a tournament. And that's almost like universally true. If you win a tournament like that shit happens for you in your favor all the time. Um, but then also like, you know, I, like I said earlier, I got into this game as like a teenager. Cause I saw like moneymaker win the main event. And, like, yeah, I wanted to win a live tournament, but, like, it's not exactly my childhood dream to win, like, an HPT bracelet, like, not to shit on it or anything, but... So it's, like, right. it was disappointing not to take first, but at the same time, it was, like, you know, if I'm going to lose to anybody, it's Josh, and, you know, it's, like, not such a bad life, you know, so... Yeah, right. Um, yeah, well, poor, poor me, I only won low six figures instead of mid six figures yeah, or whatever the numbers were <laughs> exactly i think i i told the girl who tatiana interviewed me after and i just said like yeah not bad for monday <laughs> like whatever <laughs> life could be so much worse you know and yeah. not to mention too like josh again said this at his um in his interview so i'm not giving anything and that's not public info but you know he called it his summer saver like he plays really big plo way bigger than i play and had just, like, a pretty god-awful summer at that. So it was yeah. that effect as well. It's, like, it's my friend. It's great my friend won. It's also really great that my friend salvaged, like, a terrible summer. And, like, I also got paid as well. Like, it wasn't so bad, you know? Right. Life's good. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So what's uh what's next on deck for the live poker schedule? Anything anything planned? Yeah, um you know, the HPT staff had kind of mentioned to both of us that with the way that they structure their player of the year, we're both like in pretty good running for the player of the year if we string together like another final table or like some caches. So I skipped their I think they went to Missouri next after that, but they're back in Indiana, East Chicago, glorious East Chicago, um, <laughs> later this weekend. So I'm taking off either tomorrow or Thursday to go to that. Um, and then there's the Midwest, like, poker schedule is actually like, pretty good the next couple of months. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the 19th, the 12th, 19th, and 26th, I'm pretty much off. But then October, you know, we mentioned there's those four ACR millions, and then there's also... Um, WSOP circuit in South Indiana, WSOP circuit in Hammond, which is like one of the biggest ones in the country. Mm. And then MSPT is coming to Battle Creek, which is another like random casino an hour away from me. Um, and I'm going to go to that. That's usually one of their biggest stops also on the, on their tour all year. Um, and I bubbled their final table last time. So I'm like coming back for vengeance this time. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. That's basically the live circuit for like the rest of the year, probably something like that. And in, in, as far as online, I mean, I know you mentioned the the million dollars guarantees that are coming up on ACR. I think most of us in the states will be playing those. But um, what it, it, I think last time we had you on, you were sort of in the heat of the going across the border every so often to play a lot uh, online. I was. What's, yep. what's up with that? Is that still in the mix, or are you a little less of that now that you're playing so much live? Yeah, definitely a little less of it, just because it's, like, a pain in the butt to do it, and I'm playing, like, a lot more live. Like, you know, PLO scene around here is quite quite, quite profitable. Um, get to go to a couple live events every so often. And then, like I said, the U.S. sites are, like, decent alternatives. Like, if you're playing on Bovada and ACR and such and putting in some decent volume, like, those are decent alternatives as well. Um I'll plan on going over a couple times in between all these travels um, to play some WCOOP events. I think I'm going to try and pick up, like, you know, a couple of the Sunday schedules and then play a couple of the Super Tuesdays and any other, like, random days I can get off to go over there as well. I'll probably try to play. But other than that, like, generally the summer, you know, obviously didn't play at all while I was at the World Series um, and didn't play too much beforehand or when I got back either. So it's been... It's been quite a while since I've been putting in like a lot of volume on like the Euro sites and stars. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, I, I get a lot of people say to me, you know, Oh, you must hate that you can't play on stars and I kinda do, but more for like nostalgic reasons yep. than anything else. Like yep. I mean the honestly the, the, the tournament schedules and stuff have gotten to the point in the in the States where I don't even really care that much anymore. They're getting back I mean, to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to fire the Sunday Million every Sunday, but it's not like I'm sitting here like only being able to play like forty man five dollar tournaments. You know, yeah. there's plenty of good value tournaments to play, and um, yeah, I would take stars back tomorrow, please. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 I'll use my one time, but it's not to the point where I'm like, oh my god, I have to get to Mexico next weekend so I can play. Yeah, and you know, stars is a great site and offers like all these big tournaments too. But like, I would say that most pros like their average ROI on stars is lower than it would be on other sites as well. So it, you know, there's definitely a trade off to being able to like grind a ton of volume on there versus like getting forced to play on these softer sites and playing like just a schedule. That's a big mix of like maybe three, four sites rather than just like a stars heavy schedule, you know? Right. Yeah. And from what I've seen, 
people aren't thrilled with stars since Amaya took them over anyway, and it doesn't seem to be as friendly um, to the you know customer friendly as as it used to be. So, given the lower ROI um, and maybe the, the less friendly atmosphere, maybe maybe you know maybe it's not what it what's cracked up to be. I definitely took uh, Derek's approach though to like the nostalgic reasons. Like when I first yeah. was, you know, like first case after like Black Friday you know, I still was coaching and I was coaching some people from overseas and, you know, they would tell me like, they would always send me hand histories from like, you know, them playing like eye poker or something like that. Like it was never stars. And like I had mentioned to uh, like one student, like, do you really like not play any stars? And he's like, yeah, no, it's kind of like a whatever site. Like it's pretty tough to play on. And I'm just like, well, that's a, that's a slap in the face to a guy like yeah. me. <laughs> All he wants to do is play poker stars, and he can't. And you can, and you just don't care. Like, yeah, what is your yeah. problem? I don't understand you. Right. You know, but nowadays, I can definitely, under, you know, now that I've had more time on it and stuff, I could definitely see why, you know, between that and like you said, Diego, the Amaya stuff, like why people don't want to play on it as much. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. But like I said, that all that being said, please come back ASAP. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> We would, we would like the return of Poker Stars. Um, well, very cool, Chris. Thanks for uh, for taking some time. It's like I said, it's been way too long since we've had you on. And uh, and good luck. We'll keep uh, we'll keep following and make sure you let us know when the uh, when the final table is going to air. We'll we'll make sure and let the TPE nation know so they can all watch. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the spoilers have been given, so everybody knows where you finish. But that's okay. There's still <laughs> one really cool hand that you'll see that I think I played really well that we didn't get to talk about. So um, nice had some all all the fun like ICM considerations and all that juiciness in it. So I think when that one gets shown, like we could do like a I don't know, little video or post on it or something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Very cool. Well thanks again, Chris. And um uh, yeah. Uh we'll take a very quick break and then uh, Diego and I will come back and wrap things up here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Chris. Good talking to you again. Snipers, put a little bit of love, don't let it put it out. 
Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Big thanks to Chris Moon for stopping in. Talked about his run in the Heartland Poker Tour. Uh, always good to catch up with him. Great guy. And he is a fine young man, I must say. Fine young man. Yeah, I had a, had a good time hanging out with him a bit in Vegas this summer. Um, but it's weird because we never really, I mean, as much as people probably think we're all like hanging out together all the time, we rarely ever see each other. So yeah. like I see Chris once a year, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of good to catch up and, and see how people are doing. And obviously it's great to see that he's doing well. Uh, I meant to ask him what is up with his Twitter because last time he was on here, um, I I referenced that he has a fantastic Twitter account. Like he's one of the funniest people I follow on Twitter, and he—I well, guess he's caught back up, but he's slowed down for a while. And I think he was off of Twitter for a while, um, but it looks like he's back up. So, never mind. Yeah, I wonder if that has to do with his whole like just not tweeting while he's playing, and he's playing a lot. So. Maybe that was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe he was off during the World Series. That was the yeah. Okay, that must have been it because he was he was definitely quiet for a while. It must have been right around the World Series. Um, but yeah, if you're uh, if you're looking. Um, if you don't follow him, uh, which which Chris Moon, which W like W H I C H, Chris Moon, um, very funny guy, um, and on Twitter he's absolutely hilarious. So you should definitely follow him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so cool. So yeah, thanks thanks to Chris for for stopping in. We'll make sure and uh, catch up with him again, hopefully sooner than we did this time. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get him making a video soon too. We have to. We, we, yeah, I don't know when the last time he made a video, but uh, his video. Yeah, great. I guess it has been a little while, but he'll be. I it sounds like he'll be grinding these uh, ACR millions. So maybe we'll get him to turn on the recorder just during one of those one time because okay. I know a lot of our members play those too, and it'll be cool for them to, to see one of those guys playing it. Perfect. Good thinking. Speaking of uh, videos and PPE and all that fun stuff, yeah, lot, what's new? Lot, lots, lots new. So um, first off, uh, reinvigorate the pro roster with a bunch of new additions. Um, so last podcast, we, uh, we, we announced, I believe, IGT, who is a turbo mastermind. Um, his, his series came out uh, just, I think, the same day we dropped the last podcast. Uh, hugely highly rated, um, did, has done very, very well, uh, and he's a great guy, um, and his, his videos are awesome. So IGT, uh, is, is his first series is run, and um, I have his next series uh, ready to roll as well. Um, so uh, he'll continue the good stuff. Um, the Saurus, uh, interesting guy. Uh, first of all, another Twitter account you must follow. Um, yes, for sure. What is his Twitter handle? I believe it's at. Well, no, I don't think it is. It's like a number. Let's see here. I'll get him out here. Um, the thesaurus. So, as if you were spelling thesaurus, <laughs> but it's thesaurus831. Um, and we were actually trying to get him on to, in, to coincide with the dropping of his new video, uh, but he was at a rap battle, um, which is something that he is a world rap battle champ, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the most like well-known, like most accomplished rap battlers in the world. Like, so for poker players, they might remember him as being the guy who Assassinato battled at the World Series two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, you could watch. Just look up uh, Assassinato, the Saurus rap battle, WSOP, and YouTube, and it's actually really entertaining. They both were awesome. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's a new TP pro. <clears throat> 
Um, I, extremely well-spoken, very engaging. Um, it's fun watching his videos, and he's obviously a very good player as well. Um, good, good teacher. So, uh, so he's got a new video, um, that new series that is currently running, and we definitely got to get him on. Um, he's an entertaining guy um, yeah. and, and an interesting life story. So uh, what he does aside from poker is really interesting. So we have to bring him on. Um, and then I'm not going to – we have a couple more um, pros starting up. Um, we will announce them at the next uh, podcast, but we're continuing to roll out new pro series, um, new pros in their new series. Uh, all the time, uh, we thought it was a good time to bring in some new, some new blood, and, and we're just – that we're in the course of, of rolling that out right now. And then we still have a lot of great stuff from the, uh, the old-timers. Uh, Ginger, uh, 45, uh, Matthew Hunt, your, 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 my, your, the guy you're cheating on. Uh, <laughs> your eventual replacement. My eventual replacement on the TP podcast. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Hunt, he, he, you guys host the Mid-Stakes Living podcast together. Um, he, great guy, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he is, he just turned in a series that's going to go live, uh, in a couple of days, Zero to Hero, where he walks through a coaching program with one of his coach, which one of his students, um, goes through some leak finding, some hand, uh, specific hand coverage, and then, a, an MTT hand history review. Um, IGT, like I said, has his next series coming up. Um, a couple of new pros are rolling out some content. Uh, Casey returns with another series. Jane Kerstetter returns with another, another series. Um, so we got a lot of great videos coming. Um, and then I will end the commercial right there. Um, <laughs> oh, la- well, oh, last last thing I do think is worth mentioning, we also have upgraded our forum. Um, people have been asking for new forum software uh, for a while, and we were able to roll that out just today. So those of you who um, share hands and are part of the TPE community, um, pretty nice uh, major upgrade great to our form software um, and we also have a new hand history converter coming in the next couple of days as well so some, some good stuff there going on TPE. yep no lack of new content or new like progress in the development of the website i guess yeah. for lack of a better description so tp is a fun place to run man absolutely Love we're it. we're lucky we're lucky we are we lucky. get to do this we do we get to talk poker um for a couple hours it's fun stuff. It doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't completely suck. Um, so I think that's it, right? That's it. Wrap this up. Yeah. So sweet, sweet. like I said, anyone who is uh, who's going to be at the Borgata um, next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that in the first segment. Um, anyone yep. who's going to be at the Borgata next week, please, uh, hopefully I don't have time to talk because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm running deep in tournament, but I'm just kidding. On breaks, uh, I'd love to, to catch up with any TP members. I know uh, Pierre's going to be there, so um, – Let's uh, let's hope I run deep and have some stuff to talk about. But if you're there, let's uh, let's catch up. TP members. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck to you and, and to anybody else going to that. Wish I could attend. Yep. But I'll I'll be here in the deep south, sweating my ass off still. <laughs> so. Watching watching the farm. Take- <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, we will wrap it up there. Thanks again uh, to Chris Moon for joining us. Uh, thank you, Diego, for always being a wonderful co-host. Oh, and thank you to everybody out there the in the TPE community. Yeah, I've got to be nice to you once in a while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks to all the TPE community for listening, and we will be back hopefully very, very soon with another episode of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. See ya. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
and takes his place. Fold him, let him hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock and intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun Oh, wow 